Once upon a time, I wrote meticulous outlines when I went to tell a story, and then the outlines became my enemy. They made it hard for me to figure out what I was going to do and made me second-guess everything that I was trying to write, and I stopped writing for quite some time. And then, by sheer happenstance, I just started writing without an outline. And I found that the stories that I was coming up with were more interesting than the ones that I had been doing before, at least to me. So, is outlining the problem? Why do I now find my stories by the seat of my pants? Let's talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my latest book, Crucify My Love. And, hmm, yeah, today's going to be one of those Fiction Friday episodes, and while I am going to be talking about my own process a bit, I want to talk about just this idea of where stories come from and how we find them. Because, well, in this era of reboots and remakes and re- recordings and rewritings and retellings and re 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 I think it's interesting to look at the creative process and kind of figure out where everything comes from but before we get into all that if you haven't already please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on it really does help out a lot it tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people and the more people that listen the bigger the community The bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other. And after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everyone who's already done that. Alrighty then, let's get into this, shall we? So, like I said, early in my career, I was a plot... Well, actually, let's start at the beginning. And how far back should we go? When I when I first started writing stories, were actually they were comic books, and I was about probably seven years old, and they were very definitely pantsed. I would have an idea, I would start drawing panels and writing dialogue to go with them, and it was just purely for fun. When I was in fifth grade, this is when I first started writing stories for real, and understanding that that was something that could happen. So sixth grade goes on, I start taking this more seriously and really start trying to write a story. Didn't quite understand that outlining was a thing that could happen. And through high school into my 20s, I wrote a lot of short stories and I wrote four novels, all of which were utter trash, but they were all written by the seat of my pants. It wasn't until I read a book called The Marshall Plan that kind of helped me realize that, oh, I should probably be outlining these things. And I took the principles of the Marshall Plan into my life, and this helped me write what I consider to be one of my first most interesting books. And this is the one that came out first. This would be The Four Liquid Skies. 
So that was outlined. Many of my early works were outlined to be precise, but the more I worked from an outline, the more I poured my intention and interest into crafting an outline, the less I actually cared about writing the stories. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to have you believe that I fit into the category of authors who say, well, I can't write from an outline because there's nothing there to interest me anymore. I've already gotten past the interesting part, which is coming up with the story. I don't think that that's true at all. And to be quite honest, right now in my creative journey, I'm kind of somewhere in between where when I'm working on a series, I have kind of a, an outline of the series. And I know the major events that have to happen in each book in the series, but I kind of allow myself still to pants the story, to just write the story. Why? Because I have developed within myself an instinct for what a story should look like. Now, I'm not saying that I've developed a superpower or anything. It's just I have written enough stories on my own, and I have watched enough movies, read enough books and short stories and the like, to develop kind of an internal compass as to the kinds of things that I like to see happen in a story and the twists that I like to see and how I like the plot to work out. And so for me, when it comes time to write, I can either constrain the characters to what I'm thinking at the time might be the best mode of action, or I can spend my energy and effort getting into the minds of the characters to try to figure out where they are going to go where it's most logical for them to go, where they would want to go, and follow them along the way. Now, even in this state, I do have a rough outline of the book. I have an idea of at least how long I want the first draft to be, and where certain prominent beats should fall in the story. So, even though I am allowing the characters, more or less, to do whatever they want, I do have an idea of the structure of the book that I'm working on. So is that pantsing or not? And I think that's where we as a community of writers and people who comment on writing have completely lost the thread of what we're really wanting to talk about. Because where do stories come from? They come from our own cultural heritage. They come from all of the little things, the music, the games, the books, the movies, the musicals, the stage plays, all of the tales that our fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles tell us at family events, that entire tradition of storytelling that we have inherited gets woven together, and that's what floods out of us when we're telling our stories. And this is where things become problematic. In our current day and age, it's become a lot easier and for some more profitable to just market off of old IP, intellectual property. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm not one of those people that bemoans why is everything Star Wars or Marvel or DC characters or this, that, and the other thing, because they're not. My favorite superhero story of the last decade actually was from an a writer, a trans writer, and I love those books so much. 
They tell the story of a trans superhero, and one that I absolutely love. So there are still creative people out there. There are still original stories being written. And when you look at the millions of books that get published every year, and yeah, millions of books that get published every year, there's no shortage for new ideas, new formats, new methods for telling story. Some people are more experimental than others. Some people are more creative than others. We're not living in an era with a dearth of new stories being told. The thing is, we have forgotten that all of our stories are retellings. And this is where I get into trouble, because, yes, every story is original, but it's also a retelling. No matter how original you think the story is, there are elements in it that were inspired by other things, and some people discount that. I don't. Because I think it's important for us to realize exactly what it is that we're doing, exactly what the story is that we're telling, exactly how we are coming up with the tales that we write. Because it's equally as important for us to look at the stories that we love from others, the books, the movies, the TV shows, that we enjoy watching, and to critically examine them and ask the questions of what were the influences here? Where are these stories coming from? How do these connect to the ideas that we've had, and how do they either restate them or push them forward? And this is the problem that we have when we divide writers into two categories, or now I guess three, because we have the pantsers who just free write. We sit down with our characters and see what happens. And then we have the plotters who meticulously free write and outline editing it along the way to ensure that they have the story that they want to tell before they get started. The discovery writers, however you want to call them, the gardeners. We have now this terrible word of plantster, of somebody who's in between. Because we feel like we have to categorize everything. But in all reality, what we are doing is drawing on the vast well of archetypes in our own minds that we've encountered here, there, and yonder, that we wish we had seen here, there, and yonder, and pulling them out into the world so that they can play, so that they can have at least a brief moment in the sun. Whether it's just us reading them, or we share them with throngs of adoring fans. Which, let's be honest, is all of our dreams now, isn't it? We tell stories. And the most important thing for us to learn how to do is to tell our stories, no matter how original they might be. My novel, The Chain, is a postmodern retelling of the story of Cupid and Psyche. And it's very intentionally so. When I sat down, the original idea was to play with the story of Cupid and Psyche, to do a retelling of it. Because I was fixated on the story, I'd had a series of dreams and other thoughts about about it, and thought, you know, this could be really interesting. So I spent some months and wrote a meticulous outline as to how the story was going to play out. And then I tried to write it, and it didn't work. I got about a quarter of the way through my outline and everything fell apart and I really didn't like it and it just annoyed me and I put it on a shelf for a while and I went away to do something else. 
And then a little while later, I decided, well, I'm going to try to edit what I did get written and see if there's still a kernel of an idea in there. And I started editing, revising, and rewriting. And then when I got to the end of what I had written, I just kept writing. And I pantsed the rest of that book. I just wrote it. I didn't think about it. I didn't really intend to do it. It just felt natural. It felt right. It felt like the thing that I should be doing. And when I got to the end, and I went back and I reread it, I had written a postmodern retelling of the story of Cupid and Psyche, but one that made sense, at least from my point of view, for the characters and how the characters would have lived through that tale. Huh. How did that happen? Because it's the same story that you hear from George Lucas. He had intended to write a story that followed the hero's cycle, and he tried and he tried and he tried and he couldn't get it to work. And so he put it down for a little bit and he came back and just wrote something. And then when he went back and reread it, all of the elements that he wanted to include were just there, as if by magic. This is the experience that a lot of us have that move from being outliners to pantsers. But it's the most important instinct, whether we do whatever we call ourselves, because everyone's a pantser. No matter what we call ourselves, everyone's a pantser. We pants our outlines, or we pants our stories. Either way, at some point in the process, we are writing by the seat of our pants. We are not doing anything more than discovery writing, even when we're retelling another story. Because we have to find the heart of the story. We have to find the heart of the characters and the heart of the world. And then to tell the story from that point of view and from that perspective. Only when we do that, only when we have the courage to do that, can we actually write a story that could be considered original or unique. And that is what I think gets lost in this entire debate about reboots and remakes and retellings and whether somebody's a pantser or a plotter and how constrained they are in their writing process and their technique and blah, 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 blah. I can watch a Marvel movie. And as a fan of Marvel comics, I can see elements of the original stories in there. But the people involved in that telling, be it the writers, the directors, the actors, are making the story their own. Mark Ruffalo's version of the Hulk is different from any version of the Hulk I've ever encountered, and this is one of my favorite characters. From the TV series that was out when I was a kid, through to the animated stories, the comic books, and various other iterations of the character throughout the year. Because that's the real secret. And that's the thing that I think we, as a society, are starting to forget. What's most important in all of this is finding our voice. Because each one of us, if I gave uh, 10 people a classic myth or fairy tale and said, rewrite this however you want, but in your voice, make this your story, we would have 10 very different stories, even if they followed the same plot and outline. And this is where we are getting lost as a people. Stories are important. Stories are who we are. Stories are how we understand the universe. We like to think it's through logic and facts and reason, but it's not. We understand the universe through stories and how we incorporate 
that logic, reason, and facts. How we incorporate those things into our own narrative. And whether or not we allow those things to even enter our narrative. That's where stories are important. So we could sit back and do nothing but retell the story of the red of Little Red Riding Hood over and over and over again. And every person who wrote it, every play that was performed, every movie that got made would be different because of the nature of the medium, because of the nature of the people involved in the project. They would be different. They would be unique. They would be special. Because regardless of what we tell ourselves, the one thing that we have to trust is our perspective, our voice, the thing that makes us who we are, that thing born out of our experience of life, our understanding of the world around us, or our confusion in the face of the grand mysteries that surround us every day. It's in those things that our stories become unique. It's in those things that our stories come to life again. And that's what I learned from becoming a pantser again. That's what I learned from being able to tell my stories the way I wanted to tell them. And not constraining myself to this idea of how a story's told, or that idea of how a story's told. These are the things that I have learned for myself about storytelling. And that's what makes all of our stories special, not mine. Because I start to see this in other people. When the new Dracula series was made, I was, <laughs> I mean, I love Dracula. It's one of my favorite books. It really is. I've read it numerous times, more times than I probably should have. But it is a book that I absolutely love. And I wasn't all that interested, but then I heard that Mark Gaddis was going to be doing it. And I'm fascinated by his writing. He has a perspective that's so fundamentally different from mine. And I like stories that he's written in the past, so I was very curious to watch it. Now, this is a show that I will be talking about more in the future on the podcast, but when I watched it, my husband asked me, so what did you think? And I just laughed and said, that's definitely Mark Gaddis's version of Dracula, because his fingerprints were all over it. Yes, he was telling the familiar story, but he, he changed certain events because he's wanting to do different things with the story. But his voice is imprinted so strongly on this that even if I hadn't known that he was part of the project, I would have suspected and gone to IMDb to look up and see if he was actually doing it. Because we as writers, we as storytellers. And when I call us storytellers, I'm talking about everyone, not just the people who write books or do podcasts or write poetry or act or do music. All of us are storytellers. Everything we do in our life is story. And the way we relate our lives to ourselves and others is story. So what we have to learn more than anything is to trust our voice to bring that story into being and not to judge stories because we expect them to be a certain way, but to look for the nuance, to look for 
the changes that that voice made in the retelling. Because in doing that, we discover the secret heart of the tales that live on and what is particular to our time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is something that I've thought about a lot and, well, I've talked about a little bit here, there, and yonder, but thought it just deserved its own space to breathe. If you did enjoy this podcast and you haven't already, please rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. And if you haven't already, do subscribe. I do this five times a week on different topics, a lot of which are Star Wars lately, but I do do different topics. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C.E. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you've got a dollar, you can pass my way. It really would help out a lot. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the, to the listener support and my Patreon. Just a dollar a month really does help me pay for the software and the hosting and everything that I do. <laughs> everything that I do it also helps to keep the lights on. So thank you to everybody who's already done that. And if you don't have the money right now or you don't feel like giving, don't worry. That's fine. But if you know somebody you think would like this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out immensely as well. There's a lot of changes going on in our world. There are a lot of different things coming out, both for us to watch and for us to observe. And I hope that you start looking for the stories that are present in everything. Because it's those stories that tell us who we are, and more importantly, who other people want us to be. We're going to be talking about that next week in a lot more detail. Until then, don't forget, have the fun. Bye. Bye.